At Gen Con 2023, we talked with Chris Birch of Modifius Entertainment. We talked about Dreams and Machines and uh, Cohorts of Cthulhu, some of their newest games. And we also talked about their currently existing games. So listen along and enjoy. Dreams and Machines. We yeah. heard it described as Hope Punk. Yeah. <laughs> so what can you tell us about it? Uh, I mean, it's a feel-good post-apocalyptic sci-fi adventure. Um, I love post-apocalypse um, films, TV, and I grew up on the Gonzo Gamma World and oh, I love Metamorphosis that. Alpha, if you remember that. Yep. Um, so I love all of that. I, you know, read a lot of kind of science fantasy books, you know, the classic barbarians stumbling through the ruins of ancient starships. Great. Um, you know, a lot of those 70s and 80s books. So, um, but you know, post-apocalypse has really become this like grim, dark, all the humans are trying to kill each other. All the zombies slash aliens, whatever, are trying to kill us. Like, it's, you know, that is, we've got some really horrible stuff going on in the world. Yeah. Right in front of our eyes at the moment. So I thought, let's just do it differently. Let's do, this world is still full of action and adventure and danger and threats, but we're all working together to defeat it. So that's, you know, it's a different approach. It's things like the books look like they've been scrawled all over by a 12-year-old girl. She's pressed flowers into it and, like, you know, put a little sticky fingerprints on it and, like, highlighted bits of our text going, no, it's not. <laughs> and, um, you know, and it just it just makes you smile when you look through. And the story's all about a 12-year-old girl and a robot that wakes up in her garden. So to set the scene, nice. it's 200 years after a nuclear war. They've bombed their own world into the dark ages to stop this AI using all these mechs, giant mechs, to kill everyone. And so they smashed their own infrastructure. And 200 years later, now people have rebuilt. They're farmers and miners and fishermen. And, and then you've got like people descended from the people who survived in bunkers and government groups who are the archivists who are all arguing about how to rebuild the world as it was. You've got the dreamers who want nothing to do with the old tech. You've got the Averians who are like just the kind of general communities. You've got the Spears who are um, tribal groups that live in amongst the old ruins and they hunt the machines when they come back to life. That's, that's what they live for. And um, so all these different groups are being threatened by what we call rakers, which are these giant mechs. They're all overgrown, all over the landscape from the war. And occasionally they come back to life. Why? Like, what does that mean? It means maybe is the AI repairing itself? Is someone else making them come back to life? So that's part of the mystery. And, uh, you know, you're going to be banding together from all these different factions to go exploring. You're going to be going into ruins with 10 mile high towers, like with flickering lights and uh, what we call um, uh, nanograms, which are like holograms that with force feedback that can push you around. Gotcha. Uh, that might be a bit malevolent or, you know, <laughs> or corrupted. You've got bioengineered creatures that have escaped from some mad, you know, uh, this kind of crazy, uh, faction that we're kind of experimenting and stuff. So there's lots of kind of threats in the world, and we've got a three-year arc of a story that's going to be unfolding through each of the campaign books. Okay. All the products that you're getting. There's a novel about this girl Kari and her this machine. Uh, because when the when the mechs wake up, we call them wakers. They always kill people, except when the mech in Kari's garden wakes up. It doesn't kill her, and she makes friends with it. She starts drawing. <laughs> pretty like, smiley faces and these flowers on it and of course the adults are like it's, it's gonna it's probably broken it's gonna kill you it's gonna kill right. us all like right. we have to destroy it she's like yep. he's my friend what are you talking about you idiots 
And um, so in, in the end, she leaves home, she goes on the run um, and travels around the world. And she's going to discover a lot of the secrets about our world. She's gonna, we're going to learn about the world through her eyes, through what she goes through, having to cope on her own and grow up with this, this machine as a friend. And um, so we're, we've got that going on. We've got an audio adventure that you can listen to. We've got all sorts of different media that is telling the story from different angles. Gotcha. And, um, and the, the box set, this first, it's like a $35 kind of big starter set. It's got a um, tutorial adventure in it. So you can play as soon as you open the box. Okay. So this, you don't have to read anything. You oh. just start handing out the cards. You make your character from uh, an origin card, and then that gives you a choice of two archetypes to pick. And then you get a temperament. Those three cards tell you how much spirit you get in tokens, how much supply points you get, which you can use to do cool stuff. Uh, you get a number of gear cards. They've all got pictures on. So, well, I don't know if I want to be this thing called a grabber. They're like an explorer with a bit of tech. Okay, or I want to be a, what, do I want to be a river? A river is a trader. Um, you know, so you've got pictures of everything. So you can go, oh, that looks cool. Yeah, that's me. So you got to ask, is this purposely kid friendly? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Is, so when we did free RPG day, we did a coloring book instead of a quick start. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Just because we could. Yeah, um, yeah. And I wanted to do something different. And there's no gore in it. There are scary little, you know, monsters and uh, machines, but uh, there's no swearing in it. It's very family friendly, I'd say. So this is definitely something you could play with your kids, with your family. You're going to work together. The gameplay rewards helping each other. So you don't get XP for killing monsters. You get XP for when you go down, when you run out of what we call spirit, which is like your hit points. You use spirit to buy more dice to roll. Okay. You use spirit to absorb damage. But when you go down, you're not dead. You are breathless or despairing or like any of another set of conditions. And you get XP for helping each other get up. Come oh, that, on, we're going to fight. We've got to keep cool. moving. You can't stop now. Yeah. And so, because of course in real life, we all learn from when we suffer, when we help someone get back up on their feet, yeah. whether it's mentally or physically. Um, when we, you know, when we are ourselves down and we get up, all right, okay, we're going to give this another shot. We learn from that process. We also have like life goals. We've got, to, you know, short-term goals. Maybe it's like I want to meet someone. Else. I don't want to be hunting machines with you losers. Um, like so, you get a massive boost of XP when you hit a life goal, your short-term goals. Like find some money, enough money to buy a farm, find a partner. Okay, cool. Okay, and then you retire. Oh, and okay. So, so is uh, it like a generational yeah, like, character of. to character? So the idea is, uh, so when you retire, you get half the XP from your character to spend on a new, uh, you unlock a very, very powerful archetype that isn't uh, available okay. to anyone at character creation. Okay. So you get to choose. And we have things like sentinels who are samurai-like warriors who, who everyone gives them all the most powerful gear. So they've got powerful bits of old, you know, power armor and plasma weapons and things like that and they go around hunting the machines you've got other types of characters um, so you get to choose one of those first um, and your old character becomes one of the community members that you can go to for help they give you one of their cool pieces of gear maybe that's really cool um, and every so often you can call in them for help nice so you are now building up a community of characters that you care about and they're now why you want to defend your settlement because well it's Uncle Chris and Julie and you know all the yes. people we've played yeah. over the course of our campaign 
You can choose. You don't. You don't. You don't die by accident. You die by. You can choose to die. You can sacrifice yourself in a scene. You get a lot of extra resources. But if you go down uh, again, you then get to choose one of the powerful archetypes, and you become a positive memory for the group that they can call on in moments of desperation. So wait, wait a minute! Like Chris sacrificed himself for this. We've got to keep fighting. Right. You get a mechanical boost. That's cool. So again, it's always it's always about loss. Always has a silver lining. We always can find something meaningful when we you know when we lose or fight. No. So after the box cool. set, the starter box set, what comes next? Is so we've got a rule book player's or? guide and games master guide. Uh, with you know uh, the full rules, we've got a GM screen. Uh, we've got a uh, you know, dice set, and then we've got the first of our big campaigns in the new year. So there's a whole campaign in this uh, that you can play. There's a quick start with an adventure. The Games Master book has got an adventure, all linked. Mm -hmm. So you can play the whole story through or play them as well. Then the big campaign book adds a load of new character options, load of new creatures, gear, and it has a whole campaign story to play through. And then we're going to have another campaign book, and that will unlock another big faction and another big faction. Very cool. So I got to ask you, we're talking about like different kind of multimodal in terms of like your, you have a novel, you've got the audio adventure. Yeah. What are you doing in terms of online? So I mean, during the pandemic, obviously, a lot of us went online. Are you doing yeah. anything special in that? Yeah, so we're going to be working with all the usual suspects to uh, support VTTs. A, a key thing um, where uh, you know trying to provide lots more tools to make it easier to play together uh, and like I said a lot of this was about breaking down barriers to get people playing really fast gotcha. um, you know um, uh, streaming games so we can show people how to play rules uh, videos and, um, uh, and also a lot of the things with the new IP, it's quite hard to get across the world to all the players. Mm -hmm. So one thing we did is, a lot of the lore is on handouts that people, the players are going to find as they're exploring the world. Oh, neat. They're actually worth something. So knowledge has a value in our world, like in, in, in the real world. So um, once you find those knowledge fragments, you get the counters, the knowledge fragments, and then you can cash them in with different people. Different people will pay more for knowledge, mm. and then you, you get money to buy cool gear. Okay. So you're incentivized to go looking for any little fragments of information, right? And then it's little bite-sized chunks, very unusual kind of bits of storyline. Might give you some clues to the adventure. Might just be a very interesting bit about the world. Very cool. Very exciting. He was gonna be asking most of the questions, but I have to ask. Uh, so this part of this game sounds sounds very much like uh the netflix show kipo in the age of wonder beasts oh, I've i was, watched that. you haven't okay <laughs> then i recommend it it's about uh a girl who grows up in a burrow as they call it yeah and then above ground is a bunch of what they call mega beasts so there's like a 60 foot tall corgi wandering around and stuff okay but but there's always a an enemy or a big bad evil guy but with the way that Kipo is in her friendship, she always turns the bad guy into friends. All right, okay, and, yeah, good. and uh, as part of the series, and, and right, so it's, awesome. it's very much a hope punk sort of show yes. as well. There's, I mean, there's definitely a growing genre of um, Polygon did a big article on hope punk games, and um, uh, you know, it's just that kind of because of the way the world is. I think people want, a, you know, I mean, there's plenty of 
grimdark, fun action adventure games, and you know, I'm also doing Cohort's Cthulhu, oh, which is dark <laughs> Cthulhu action adventure in a you know a bloody Roman Empire period. Uh, so I like you know I like that too, but I wanted with my post-apocalyptic world to just do it differently because. Like I said, I could. <laughs> I could do what I like. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I like the idea of, of people rebuilding and working together for once uh, rather than everyone's on the run from each other. We've had enough of the kind of Mad Max type worlds yeah. where it's like everyone's out to take whatever they can. Yeah. Uh, I, I just imagine a world where actually we were all figuring out how to fight the bad guys together. That, that's excellent. My, my friends and I played Numenera, not to throw shade at Numenera, but it's like you're living in the ruins of all these different civilizations, and the initial game, I, I think they corrected this or made an adjustment when they released like a community set, like Numenera 2 and some other yeah. stuff. But one of the things we bounced off of was like, you're just dealing with everybody else's tech. You're dealing with all of these sort of like horrors of the, all of the eight, eight previous worlds. You're just kind of like long for the problem. Yeah. So the idea of being able to rebuild like, yeah, I mean, it's an have your community play a role. You have the choice because maybe you don't like tech. Maybe you're like, look, we should just be living a simple life. Maybe if we didn't have all the tech, the machines wouldn't bother us. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you're like, look, the AI is coming back. We need to get off this planet. Like, we need to find a ship. Maybe we can repair it one of the old crash ships or something. Like, there's all these different stories playing out. Like, there's a we can see lights in the sky. What's up there? Like, maybe there's something we could find that's useful. Like, there's a whole sense of wonder and I, I like stories about characters like you know like we're going to follow like our, our, our little girl Kari through the story and other characters that are going to emerge um, and see what happens to them you know and I want people to be like I want I want, to, I want one of those stories to be about me gotcha so we've got like a business question sure we were uh, I'd read a little bit about uh, the Odypheus oh yeah um, and so I, I guess we were curious so we, we kind of went hard for uh, we bought uh Ironsworn Starforge. Oh, yes. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. so, like, our group kind of went bonkers for it a little bit. They got yeah. super busy. And so then I was, like, doing a little bit of research to see this was part of this program. Saw some other games that, you know, were very interesting, um, which are escaping off the top of my head. But how does that program work? Like, how do, are you... I mean... Um, how are you choosing companies? Or what is it? How does it work? We've actually got three programs. So, Via Modifius is where we find someone who's got a cool product, like uh, Starforged, and... Uh, we said, look, we can help you get into retailers. We can help you reach a wider audience uh, through our network and do some of the boring stuff for you. Um, and so sometimes it's where people have got products already and they want to get out to people. And it's something I like as well. And I think it's innovative. I mean, Southwatch is, you know, solo, role-playing, um, you know. Just saw that book. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, I've got a big thing for solo games. And... Um, then, but it also might be like uh, five parsecs from home, if you know that. Uh, I discovered on uh, Drive Through RPG about three of no, probably about four years ago, and it was really like a, a word document that had been saved as a PDF. It was <laughs> yeah. a great game, big community, and I said to Ivan, the creator, that why don't we let's create a new edition like with beautiful artwork and layout, and get it in front of lots of people, get it out into stores because this is this is such a great game. It needs to be seen by more people so then we got kind of more involved as a publisher we commissioned the art we paid for all the, the, the redesign and the, and the printing and then you know so that's we're more involved in that way and there's like a scale between the two of 
whatever needs doing. Right. Sometimes they just need a bit of help with layout. Sometimes they need everything doing. And, but then we also have the World Builders program on Drive Through, which is a bit like the, uh, the DMs Guild, uh, where people can create content um, using our 2D20 system. Okay. And we support them with PR and promotion, art packs. They can create for Acting Cthulhu. Uh, Dreams and Machines will be part of the um, Creators program as well. The World Builders, uh, Cohorts Cthulhu will be part of World Builders as well, so people will be able to create official. Uh, community adventures and stats and then we also have a licensing program which is where someone who's a bit more professional who's you know wants to get something into a kickstarter or into shops they come to us and they can license our 2d20 system we don't do an OGL because uh, I'm more interested in helping build my future competitors <laughs> really so I can, it's so I can trade cool stuff with them in five ten years time um, but I want to help build entrepreneurs Okay. Um, I don't want to. Uh, there's plenty of other people with great OGLs. I don't need to make another OGL. Right. Um, right. What I want to do is create a system where, yes, they're going to pay. Uh, they pay five percent of uh, their net receipts uh, on, the, on supplements. They pay ten percent on the core book. Uh, we help them uh, with the system design. We uh, announce them. We promote them. We give them some PR. And we give them some, uh, if they need it, we give them some help in terms of budgeting. But sometimes it's little creators who already know what they're doing and they're like, hey, I want to use a 2D20 system for my you know, big new projects. Right. So we've got various, depending on how you know, professional you are or you just want to stick something out for fun, uh, we'll help you create. I like uh, encouraging people to get creative and uh, become entrepreneurs who can make games and make some money out of it. Awesome. Very cool. Other questions? Um, not necessarily for the interview, but I did want to bring <laughs> up, like, like I saw this come out, I read about it, and, and you just going into it more, just a lot of different pieces remind me of some of the things I was shooting for with a home game that I've, like, tentatively called Dyson Fall. The idea was... Uh, some time ago, uh, humanity created a Dyson swarm of uh, exo uh, structures, um, and most of humanity left Earth. And so the story is now who's left, right. and they're rebuilding oh, yeah, and discovering like archaeologies and, yeah. and old AIs, yeah. uh, old factories, you know, like like cool. etc. And one of the other things was like. One of the main things was building a community. So I'm very interested in seeing how it's done here because I wasn't sure how to do it effectively where yeah. the players would be interested in using it. So I mean, at the, in, in the core products, we don't have community building rules. It's more the fact that as you create characters and then retire them, right. they, they're going to be, because you made that character, you know that character, they become... Because it's you know it's one thing like it's, oh there's you're in a community like well, who, I don't I don't know who they are but you right. grew up here like so you don't care yeah, so if you start to have all these characters running that you played you know who they are it's yeah like you grew up with them it's not a it's not a mechanical incentive yeah. it's an emotional incentive. now we do have I mean Cohorts Cthulhu has settlement building rules uh, there will be we're going to be over time adding like okay how how do you build a settlement like now you're you're making all this money and like you've got these characters like do you build some That's defenses like what happens when other things are you going to put more technology in there or not right so, right so we'll start to explore that over time okay 
Yeah, I think that's an interesting area to explore. Just it always seemed like in Dungeons and Dragons, you would always get to the point where you could have your keep and then you retire. No one does, so. Yeah. <laughs> they keep adventuring. You know, like, you know. So. Cool. Are we through anything? our main questions? I think so. Okay. Uh, in the time we have, is there anything else you'd like to add? My only, uh, always my last question. We can talk a bit about Cohorts Cthulhu. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, so, Cohorts Cthulhu is the other IP I've been working on. Uh, you know, it shows how hardworking our team are because they give me the ability to get back to creating, you know, our last IP was Active Cthulhu, that we started the company with 10 years ago, actually 13 years ago, and, um, it goes faster than it does, yeah, it goes. Uh, so, uh, Carol's Cthulhu is a prequel to Acting Cthulhu, it's the same universe, same creatures, same gods, and we've got this long-running plot over several uh, million years, we've got this uh, character called Moran, he's a bit of a Gandalf-like character. But in Coral's Cthulhu, it's set on the Germanic frontier, which is like the kind of, you know, if you've played D&D, keep on the borderlands. Right. Imagine they've just got Roman armor on. This is the archetypal <laughs> frontier town, okay. middle of nowhere. There's, you know, barbaric tribes in the, woodlet, in the woods. There's ancient ruins, lost Roman forts, um, strange creatures, ancient gods. And the, and the Romans and the Germanic uh, tribes I've got to figure out, you know, kind of overcome the differences to work together to defeat the sort of like the forces of Cthulhu, well, the kind of sort of Cthulhu mythos cults that are building up, and there's a big plot that's growing, and I mean, and all sorts of other subplots and lots of fun stuff, and you've got all sorts of interesting, diverse characters. You've got, you know, like Greek philosophers. Uh, you've got, you know, explorers. You've got agents from maybe Egypt, hunting cults. You've got uh, bestiaris, like you know, beast tamers, uh, gladiators, senators, um, uh, and people from all over the world as well. So you had what the Romans called Amazons, which were like Iranian, uh, we call them Iranian uh, Sarmatians, who were like horse archers who. who you make Legolas look like a, you got a deer in archery, you know. Um, they were really so good, you know. Okay. They could, they could ride back, ride ride a horse, pointing backwards, and shoot three arrows through a, you know, an orange, you know, an orange. Or, uh, uh, they were so so incredible archers. So like all these very diverse characters in this world. And uh, we're throwing them together into this melting frontier pot, and then we're going to go to you know Egypt and Britannia and Rome and uh, the Eastern Empire. So it's a kind of big okay. epic adventure, yep. and uh, based off the Acting Cthulhu rules, but uh, tweaks for more kind of brutal melee combat. So um, not hope punk. <laughs> not hope punk. Okay, no. right. But still, I mean, everything I do with Cthulhu is hopeful. Okay. Uh, but it's going to be tough. Yeah. So okay. it's very much like um, I, I liken it to, um, you know, I, 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 you know, with well, with acting Cthulhu, we read a lot about the resistance and during the, during World War Two, and the resistance, you know, the, the Nazis seem like they were as much as we think. Oh yeah, it seemed unbeatable. Cthulhu. It seems like this undefeatable power, right. and yet they still fought. Right. They still went down punching because they thought, well, I might die, but maybe the guy that comes after me will finish them off. Right. And so, in our world, the gods are a god with a little g. They can be defeated one day. Gotcha. And it's the, the journey to get there is part of the adventure. And but we're all, we're, you know, we're all prepared to die on the route to get there. And of course, with Cthulhu's type stories, the fun is in how do you 
how do you go down? You know? Right. Gotcha. <laughs> heroic sacrifice. So were there, uh, are there some little G-gods that are in this setting that are not in Octon Cthulhu? Uh, so in Cohort's Cthulhu, no, it's, it's all the same, okay. same uh, big bands. So, so they didn't defeat them? <laughs> no, well, but we're back in time. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a long battle. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what I was saying. But it's like, are, were there in, more? And the, then... Those big, you know, yeah. with a G, those big entities, yeah, yeah. you don't really defeat them. You could just send them away for another thousand years. Okay. Right? You know, okay. It's like in the Call of Cthulhu, you know, they ran the steamship into Cthulhu and he, right. and he, 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 he remembers <laughs> that he left the tea on and that's right, right. go home. And, um, you know, so, but there is, we have this storyline building up to an epic. Uh, uh, finale like several games down the line so we've got like a whole Very series cool. of game worlds kind of brewing in my head that we're working on it's I like it yeah. yep. Very cool. thank All you right. for your time yes, no thank worries. you so much thanks, yep. really appreciate it. thanks for listening uh, follow us over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts uh, layerofsecrets.com also has all the links that you'll never need